Hello, patrons, and welcome to our March patron special. Yes, welcome. Hello, we love you. And we thank you very much for giving us money. We've had a, a, this is our third month now, so I think things are going well. We've gotten some nice feedback on these. And uh, so we're going to do something a little different this mm. month. We are not going to be talking about a canon Star Trek thing. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about one of the fan films. Oh. This is, I know, Richard seems surprised like he didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, this is, I'm, I'm trying to have the role of the audience here. Like I'm liking the, like the Greek chorus. Yeah, okay. Uh, this is Star Trek New Voyages, which uh, is now called Star Trek Phase 2, I think. It went through a couple of different names. I think it was Star Trek New Voyages. Then it was Star Trek Phase Two. Then I think they went back to Star Trek New Voyages, and they went back to Star Trek. Phase I looked two. it up, and I had to. It was like you know, the New Voyages site redirected me to the Phase Two site. But then when I watched it, it said New Voyages, so I don't even know. But you know, this was all a lot about like time travel and the continuity changing, so it felt like it was makes sense. Yeah, gearing me up for the themes of the episode. It was very the paratext, you know, highlighted the text. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. that. That's a good way to wrap things around. So this is the first episode. This is the pilot. I guess this was not the proof of concept. They did a proof of concept before this, which I think was a lot shorter and which we did not watch. Um, this is episode one called In Harm's Way. Now, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a different kind of discussion because, you know, I don't know that we're necessarily going to critique it on an acting level or yeah. direction level or anything like that. That seems kind of churlish. And it also doesn't seem like, you know, this isn't one of those episodes we are, you know, as we're watching this, I'm like, we're not going to be talking about the social meaning of this episode or, you know, the importance of this episode in the same way we would be analyzing a regular Star Trek episode. But I guess, so I guess my biggest question that i have of this is what the hell did i just watch in the sense of like what is this production who are these people right is this any degree of official because how could something this extensive be ah well yeah, yeah. so th- richard doesn't know the history of star trek fan films so which i guess is not surprising because the, richard is not a trekkie this is the even though many of our audience calls me a trekkie that's yeah that's, but okay so the news came out last week that nicholas meyer who of course wrote and directed star trek uh to the wrath of khan he wrote maybe co-wrote star trek for the voyage home and wrote and directed star trek six the undiscovered country so uh when the news came out i texted richard and i said oh you know brian fuller actually uh uh, got Nicholas Meyer to to write and and produce the new Star Trek series, and he was very excited. And then he said, "Who is Nicholas Meyer?" So Richard is not a Trekkie yet. But you know, here here's my thing. You know, I don't know names. You know, like I'll you know who like, Gene Roddenberry is. Yeah, I know who Gene Roddenberry is. But it's like you know, on the show, I've you know, it's I'm like that one alien, or you know, that one dude who had like the you know the phaser, you know, the other guy who was wearing that outfit. Nicholas like, Meyer is one of the most important people in the Star Trek production well, because if it was not for Nicholas Meyer, there's a very real chance that this podcast would not exist. So if we go back in time and kill Nicholas Meyer, you're linking it up with what we're going to talk about, aren't I? Um, yeah, so the kind of the history of, of Star Trek fan films is, is interesting. Um, and we have to go back to, I believe it was 1972 or 1973, where the first Star Trek 
convention actually happened in New York City. Yeah. So, so in other words, at this point, you know, the series has been canceled. Right. You know, when it's starting to get a cult following, you know. And- right. Right. And of course, you know, we talked. We've talked about this a little bit, especially in the first patron special we did in January when we talked up uh, Spock's brain and the alternative factor about how you know the conventional wisdom that the original series uh, was not watched when it was originally on the ratings were bad is actually not true. You know, it it, it actually you know won its time slot a few times. It was in second. Um, a lot of times, especially in the second season. Now, of course, there were only three networks and independent stations back then, but it was certainly not a ratings failure by any stretch of the imagination, and it was fairly popular. Um, And a lot of why the original series eventually got canceled in the third season had a lot more to do with the ways in which Gene Roddenberry had a lot of friction with uh, the NBC brass, the NBC production people, and sort of the network in general, and they just didn't want to deal with them. You know, they were they were paying a lot for the original series. You know, basically how it worked was the original series was produced by by Desi Lu, and then Desi Lu was bought by Paramount in between the second and third seasons of the of the original series. And so, and that's kind of how a lot of television production happened back then. It's a little different now. Yeah. Networks generally want to own what they make because they get a lot more money for it. It's a, you know they get a cut of all the reruns, they get a cut of the streaming, they get a cut of all that stuff. Whereas if it's an independent production company you that kind of licenses or sells, to basically the- that's exactly what they do. They sell it. So they go to a network and they say, "Look, we have this pilot. The pi- that's where pilot season comes from." So these independent production companies would make pilots proof of concept uh. for shows they would shop them around to networks and the networks would say okay we'll greenlight this for a series and we will pay you one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars uh to make an episode of this for example which is i think the first season budget of the original series and then you know they would they would air it on the show and if the if it made money back in advertising, it would get renewed. So now that's a simplistic it, version of now it. Now is it more like the network will talk to the production companies and contract them to make their shows? No, or? a lot of times what happens now is they're either made directly by the network's production arms themselves or the networks will actually buy the production company. So okay. they actually own the rights to the show. Um, you know, NBC has seen no money from Star Trek since 1969 when it got canceled. Um, the, all the money went to Paramount. Mm. Okay. You, you see, you see the how, yeah. kind of how it works there. So, what what happened is, you know, Star Trek: The Original Series was canceled in 1969. Uh, it 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 kind of grew and grew and grew in the ratings because a lot of independent stations were stripping it, which means they were airing it five days a week, usually in a pretty good time slot, like around the time the kids were getting home from school. Okay. So it grew and grew and grew in stature. You know, that's kind of how we got the animated series. Of course, that's eventually how we got um, the the first Star Trek movie. And that's kind of how everything has happened since then. And that's why Trek About exists. Um, But so these fan films are kind of in an interesting, you know, area because Paramount was always very sort of hands off with it. And they kind of basically told fans that wanted to make fan films of Star Trek or fan fiction or what have you that you could do it as long as you made no money from it. Mm. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess especially in such a fan culture, I mean, it's very obvious watching this that this is not an official Star Trek product in a way. Like that every – you know, I I would assume most of the fan stuff, everybody kind of knows, well, this isn't Bill Shatner and, you know, Leonard Nimoy. Right. So – you know, it's not really competing in the same way that, you know... It's really for fans. Yeah. And I think you see that in the first episode of New Voyages in Harm's oh, yeah. Way, which we'll get to in a, in a few minutes. So it, it, there, was, there were always kind of fan yeah. films, but this was one of the first ones that had some actual, 
I don't know exactly how much money it had behind it. I can imagine not a lot, but it did have some people that actually did work in, as I understand it, I'm not sure. I don't know that much about the history of New Voyages. This came out in 2004. Yeah. And they've only done, I think, nine episodes in, in 12 years. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, you know, I also know 2004 was kind of an era where it was a lot easier to do your own, you know, kind of film. That's when, you know, that's kind where, of yeah. technology became a lot cheaper, you know, the computers that, you know, edit, everybody had a computer that could edit, you know, something and do some basic special effects and stuff like that. So, And I think we probably will talk about the special effects yeah. in this as well, because this is, and you're right, you know, this was right around the era where, you know, people could do computer generated graphics, you know, on their own computers and have it be pretty good. This is the era where, you know, uh, 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 home video stuff was getting cheaper and cheaper, and also you could distribute it a lot easier. Exactly frankly, because the, it, the, the internet, right? So it, it was kind of a, a, a you know a, a what do you call it a, a perfect uh, storm a perfect storm of circumstances that kind of caused. I don't know if I would necessarily say it was an explosion of Star Trek fan films, but there definitely are a lot more that got started in yeah. the past decade, decade and a half than there were in the eighties. Yeah. You could argue as well that that's why Paramount had such a hands off you know, sort of a, a policy about it because when you had to shoot this kind of stuff on 16 millimeter film yeah. and you couldn't do any real special effects, you you can kind of see where they would go. You know what? Yeah, you guys can do that. That's fine. That's really cute. And, and But by the time the 2000s hit, you know, kind of the, the horse was out of the barn or whatever. And, right, you know, right. You know, it, it there does seem to be a very good, you know, it almost seems a good faith thing. And frankly, if Paramount tried to crush these things, it would come off so mean, you know, because this is such a part of I, – I know that – I mean my understanding is that fan fiction as we know it, particularly slash fanfic, comes from Star Trek fandom, you know. Yeah. People had certainly written – I mean Sherlock Holmes is kind of considered one of the first like all, you know stories that had fan fiction written about it, frankly. But, you know, it is so intimately connected with the Star Trek culture that – you can't really stop it without stripping everything that you I, – I, I don't know. Like it, it, it would be – that seems like a nuclear option almost. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. And it, it's interesting you say that because um, actually CBS and Paramount jointly sued a fan production for the first time a couple months ago. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've heard about this one called Star Trek Axanar, but they did – they were they were basically it's actually people that worked in 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 Hollywood as I understand it and they were raising money on Kickstarter they mm. were wanting to make a you know ninety minute movie with actual Hollywood actors who were playing the same roles that they played in Star Trek yeah I can and, see and that where, being too much of a yeah and and you know there's there's a lot of I think the the fan reaction to that lawsuit was was very negative when it hit in December but I think it's they're starting to come around to it a little bit because as I understand it the real issue there is not necessarily the Kickstarter because again the line yeah. that Paramount and CBS have always had is if you're not making any money on this we don't care about it yeah but, it's, it's fine if you're saying hey hey guys let's put on a show you know right but but uh, as I understand it, you know, the, the production and stuff, they were starting to pay themselves a salary and that was getting a little weird. And so they were doing a lot of conventions and stuff like that. And then also you also have to remember, too, that during this explosion of, of fan films, you know, Star Trek Enterprise was on the verge of being canceled. It was canceled in 2005. 
Uh, and there was always there was this talk in the mid two thousands to Star Trek, you know, was essentially dead. Yeah, and so there was really no competition. Now we have, you know, there's the third Star Trek movie coming out in a few months, Star Trek Beyond. We have the the twenty seventeen Star Trek show, which is coming out in January of twenty seventeen. So you can kind of understand that there's a lot less yeah. um, hunger or desire on the part of CBS and Paramount to have these competing things that are doing these really, you know, you know, impressive special effects that are employing these actors, you know, that are that are kind of diluting the brand of Star Trek. Yeah. Now, whether or not I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that because I think a lot of these fan films are very fanny. Yeah, um, but, you know, from, from the, uh, again, this, you know, the, the one you were just talking about, you know, I don't know much about it from what, from what you expected. It almost seemed like they're, you know, doing a drink your milkshake to the license of Star Trek. You know, they're trying to make an official Star Trek movie without going through the proper channels. Like, and, and, you know, there there is an implicit line that I can see, you know, certainly, you know, and I think everybody can get behind, you know, where it's, you know, this is an expression of fan love, you know, this is something we're doing for fun because we love the series, you know, and, you know, we're trying to be, you know, I don't know, it seems like it's... It's, it's yeah, it's a fine line, and I think they may have crossed it. Yeah, but, it, like, because, you know, certainly, I mean, a few weeks ago, you and I, Eric and I saw a... Next gen, uh, an improv based on the next generation, you know, and they had the characters playing all of the different, you know, characters from next gen. And yeah, like that's obviously not sanctioned by Paramount in any way, you know, but it's, you know, it was just such a fun, dumb fan thing, you know, and I don't think they're fine with that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And really, that's how I felt about, you know, these new voyages thing. Like, yeah, we can't really critique, you know, Certainly, if we wanted to critique this on an acting level like we could, people are stepping on each other's lines. The plot makes no goddamn sense. It can't tell whether it wants to be serious. Or get- but in a way, like, that's just missing the point of it right. because I had a lot of fun watching it and it was just a very kind of pure thing. Like, this was a very endearing thing to watch. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're going to we're gonna break our, our sort of rule of not recapping plots because, you know, it's, it's very likely that, that the people listening to this may not have seen um, any new voyages or in harm's way. And the essential, uh, the essential plot of it or the concept behind it is that the timeline diverted at some point. Captain Pike and the Enterprise got destroyed. Okay, so the, yeah, the thing was the so the planet eat planet eater or whatever from from Doom, the Doomsday Dim- Machine. Yeah, yeah, which I didn't really remember, but that ended with somebody going into the Doomsday Machine. Yeah, so Commander the Commodore Decker piloted a shuttlecraft into the Doomsday Machine and blew it up. He now the the actor he plays Jessica Fletcher's friend on Murder She Wrote. Ah, okay, yeah, but he didn't play the Decker the first time, right? No, he did. He did. That okay. was the same actor. Yeah, so they did get the same actor. Mm-hmm. Huh. So so essentially anyway. what happens is uh uh you know Spock is dead, Pike is dead, Kirk kind of has a uh Kirk has a a Klingon science officer and they're on another ship I think called the Farragut and so they're kind of fighting this like doomsday machine war where there's these doomsday machines all over the galaxy destroying planets. Vulcan has been destroyed, which of course is interesting because Vulcan gets destroyed in the 2009 Star Trek movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to go back in time using the Guardian of Forever, which they call the Gateway for some reason. And later on, they start calling it the Guardian, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at this point, it looks like the Guardian is being scientifically studied or there's a right. base or something. I don't know. They realize that the timeline has been uh, altered and so they fly a starship through the guardian of forever <laughs> to go back and try and stop the doomsday machine they do something and this is where it gets kind of confusing with pike on on the enterprise in the past and then suddenly the enterprise a appears 
and it's Admiral Kirk, and they're like, we're going to help you. You know, yeah, it just, it made no sense, but it was just like hitting all of these fan notes. Like, I don't know. It, 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 it's one of those things that I think, you know, it, that it's obviously for Star Trek fans. And I think that's what the primary the, takeaway the, is. The, like, I mean, the ending ends with, you know, I think Spock from the future going to Captain Pike. It, it shows how Captain Pike gets in that machine that he's in, in uh, the menagerie and him, you know, talking about, oh, well, don't worry, you know, he'll come and he'll save you and his plan. And, and obviously setting up those events, you know, of that episode. Um, but yeah, and having Captain Pike in there in the first place, having the reference to the Doomsday Machine, you know, it's like they had a list of things that they wanted to see followed up on in a way that I really liked because, you know, one of the things I had always said about the original series is, you know, here's stuff and there's no consequences, you know. One of the reasons that Wrath of Khan is such a, you know, fantastic movie is because it deals with the consequences of Mm -hmm. an earlier episode. So in this way... You know, this plot is an attempt to deal with some of the consequences of other episodes. I think in an interesting way, this episode feels like an attempt to, you know, because they obviously, I mean, they're kind of aping the same camera angles that the original series used in a lot of instances. Um, the the guy that plays Kirk is obviously doing kind of a Kirk as, Shat, you know, Shatner as Kirk impression, which I think, you know, he's, I think he's actually one of the only um, actual professional actors in the cast. I think he does a pretty good job. Um, but you know, so so where you look at this and you say, okay, they're they're obviously trying to uh, uh, tell a TOS style story while kind of adopting some of the tropes of television in that later time period. Yeah, because maybe they are do sort of- some more world building with the original series, and because that was something the original series was not very good at. Yeah, but I think that it's a little, you know, I always cautioned you against criticizing the original series no, for no, not no, no, doing no. world building of course, that's just because that's not how television world was building made had then. not really been invented yeah it's true um but yeah i think that you know this is it's fun i mean i you know i was not bored watching this it's yeah. fi- it's 50 minutes long which is exactly the same length <laughs> as uh, uh, a tos episode you know there's a lot of interesting callbacks in it there's a lot of interesting stuff and i think that if you are intrigued by you know dropped concepts from the original series that's kind of what fan fiction is about i mean it's for fans it's for the people that are really going to geek out on this stuff i mean i'm going to be honest like I, I, when i finished it I, I i literally i had no idea what the plot was it was a very it's a time travel plot most time travel plots just are it's such a convoluted concept that if you don't completely do it right it just is this tangle on this knot and this episode is a knot it makes no sense but at the same time i would watch more of this because i don't know it was it was very lovingly done oh yeah i mean you can tell that everyone in the cast and crew absolutely loves the original series i mean there would be no reason to do this otherwise right you know yeah and so i mean there's almost a degree of like summer camp skit to this kind of feeling you know which is that you know, this is something, you know, done for fans by fans. You know, this is not intended for anybody who doesn't love the original series because, you know, you're not one of us, you know. But, you know, if you love this as much as we do, like, I don't know. It, it was a very – I found it a very, you know, friendly and intimate show in a lot of ways, you know, because it is about, you know, fans connecting to each other. And I don't really do much in the way of fandoms. I know a yeah. lot – I have a lot of friends who are very into fandoms. You know, this is the – this trek about thing that I do with you is the closest I really, you know, interact in that kind of a way. And 
I don't know. It, it, it's maybe this is just because Star Trek is the only one I've spent anything resembling time in. But I mean, in general, I don't. You know, I don't know that there would be a lot of other fandoms that, yeah. that people would take. That I mean, this is a, a massive effort in time oh yeah and money oh yeah you know we haven't talked about the sets yet we haven't talked about the special effects yet and uh, you know this is a massive undertaking and i can't see a lot of other fandoms wanting to invest the time and energy in something just purely for the love of it and to give back to the fan community which i think is what new voyages is doing yeah i mean we you talked a little bit about how star trek is kind of a nicer and friendlier and more welcoming fandom like i don't know that that, this, this seems to me a product of that you know this isn't about being cooler than you in any way i don't know and i also think it you know i don't know that you could do this in a lot of a lot of other fandoms because there, there's kind of a, you know, I, well, the, partially give again, given the hands off nature that that allows just you know legally for this to be done. So yeah, yeah. some of it is the hands off nature, but I think some of it has to do with actually the the bulk and and sort of the the the, the so much. There's so much Star Trek out there that yeah. you can do this in a way that you couldn't necessarily do with a lot of other popular things. Like for example, let let's go with the Buffy verse, for example. Yeah, you know where the Buffy verse is very self contained. There's there's Buffy the Vampire Slayer and there's Angel, right? Or or Firefly. There's 14 episodes in a movie. Like yeah, I, I don't I don't think that that you know they they don't engender that sort of thing because it would feel much more important for some reason. Whereas this is just another. Star Trek, you know, this is another Star Trek adventure. You can I watch mean, it or not. And partially, it's, it's fun. yeah, partially that's helped by the very premise of the show, which is just the Enterprise is dicking around and every time it finds something interesting, it has an adventure for an hour, you know, and it's going in, it's galactic. So we have an entire galaxy's worth of uh, adventures to have, you know, it, it's not really a very limited universe in a lot of ways. Even going with the even going with what we've seen in the original series goes from everything to sci-fi to character drama to whatever the hell uh, Cat's Paw was. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it it's a very varied series, even in the original tone, and that yeah. helps it a lot too. Yeah, that does help it a lot too. And I mean, you know, if if we do end up doing uh, you know more new voyages on 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 future patron specials, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if the the fanfic. You know, if if this fan film series really does keep that alive as well, you know, yeah. I don't I don't know if it does or not. I mean, I've seen you know a few minutes of I think Blood and Fire, and I watched a little bit of another one, but I've never really sat down to yeah. watch one before. Yeah, and I'm curious if like you said, they did nine episodes. Like if the you know, I'm curious to see the ninth episode as compared to this. You know, did they iron out the kinks in the you know? Did the actors figure out how to play the characters a little better and stuff? Yeah, but I feel like at a certain point, like you said, it almost it, it's it almost irrelevant. Yeah. No, know? no, I mean, but you know, it's curious because again, I, 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 again, going on the you know, you know, for fans, fan by fans, like there is a degree to which I want to see these people doing it even better because that's going to be fun. You yeah, know, to just to watch them improving out what they're doing alone would you know feels nice. I, I don't know, and. That's an interesting thing to feel about a media. I think that, yeah, no, I agree with you. And one of the things that I I kind of find so intriguing about this as well, and sort of when I was watching this, you know, it suddenly struck me kind of getting to the end of it that in a lot of ways the the production values of this episode of this fan film 
are hearkening back to a much earlier era in in television as well. Yeah. Like if you watch, you know, a lot of say early Doctor Who, for example, uh, it's kind of on the same par as yeah. this production wise. But I mean, and like, there's, you know, I have to say, you know, in terms of like, you know, the way the scenes are blocked, maybe or like. You know, all, the actors are stepping on each other's lines constantly throughout. You know, stuff like that on a production level. But, like, just looking at the costumes and the sets, like, those are very lovingly recreated. Like, and th- that looked cool. Like, not only that, they did they did two bridge sets. I mean, yeah, they did uh, uh, the yeah. the uh, you know Pike era you know Enterprise bridge, which was much less colorful and had the yeah. little lamps. You know, and they also did the the original costumes, and they did the. Uh, they had a couple of the twenty late twenty third century costumes. They had some of the TOS era costumes. They also made, yeah, a, a, you know, a a, a uh, Constitution class bridge. You know, this is yeah. It, it in was, terms of like whoever was dealing with the, I guess, would you call that set design, production design? Yeah, that would be set construction. Yeah, set design, yeah, set yeah. construction. Like that era of the production was impeccably done. Like, it was very and, well done, and I think that's where you really see yeah. the the care and love and attention to detail that oh, the fans yeah. are bringing to this. Because how many, you know, I, I, I thought it was hilarious, you know, again, we're going on to the bridge uh, and the crew from uh, f- from the cage, you know, the pilot that was, you know, we have number one there, you know, we have that character, that version of Spock, you know, the younger one. Like, that was... Again, how hopelessly geekily fanish was that? Yeah. And And, it's it's fun to see that again. And I think, you know. And it's fun to be able to, because five years ago, if you'd show, you know, if you'd show me this when it came out, you know, even knowing some of, you know, Star Trek, I didn't have that. Like, I know where, this is the kind of thing where I get all the jokes finally. Yeah. It's nice to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think also it's interesting because it, it does in a very different way. Really show, I think the 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 breadth of the Star Trek concept because yeah. you know they're putting Klingons in here. They are TOS era Klingons, but they're also kind of acting like TNG era. Yeah, Klingons. like they, you know, the talk of honor and stuff. For example, that wasn't really done in original series. That you know, but it it, it does kind of seem like a hybrid of the two that fits with you know both of that yeah you know? no it, absolutely it, it doesn't does. feel like it contradicted the original series no not at all and I, I i wonder if they do more of that in this as as time goes on you know i think that uh, you know definitely the original series feels very different from you know the vast majority of the later star trek oh, series yeah. for various reasons which we've talked about on trek about but i think it really does show that that this concept is very elastic you know you can do this kind of thing yeah. and there's so many uncovered corners of the universe and there's so many you know uh, things that are never followed up on and missed premises and missed opportunities i mean i'm looking at your shelf and again you have you know two shelves of novels and that's a maybe 1% of all of the star trek shit that's out there you know because it is such a very in a way simple premise you know it, it, and, and frankly, you know, you how you could you could even make a dozen shows that aren't even dealing with any characters that we've ever seen before. Again, there's yeah, you know, this is very simply, you know, you don't have to make it with Kirk and everybody. You can make a you know get six different people and you know create completely different characters. And, and they shit. they've actually done that. There are audi- sure. there are audio dramas that have completely different casts, and 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 there's also. Um, 
I want to say, well, there's like things like Improvised Star Trek as well, yeah. which is a comedy improv podcast, but that has a, a different cast. They're not playing any of the the um, characters from yeah. any of the TV shows. So yeah, that kind of shows the the yeah, know, again every again, t- every time we've seen you know when we've seen uh, plenty of other starship captains you know on the in the series you know and anytime we've seen one you know you can imagine you know we we've talked a lot about like oh well on that ship things must be run differently you know or you know i wonder what kind of adventures they're having on that ship and you know so yeah that's that's a whole different angle of things you can take you know that completely changes the character dramas you know what do you ha- what if you have a captain card type of character dealing with some of the problems from the original series you know what if you have a captain kirk dealing with some diplomatic issues in a ds9 style world you know there there's plenty of things you can do yeah absolutely and i also think it's interesting too that that this most of the fan films at least you know this is not true for a lot of the audio fan dramas but um you know this was i think one of the first again one of the first really uh, a sort of big and prominent you know tos fan films and I think that one of the reasons why, I, as far as I know, there are no uh, TNG era fan films, and I think that's probably just because it's a lot easier to and a lot cheaper uh, uh, to <laughs> to recreate the aesthetic and the sets of the original series. Yeah, that can be. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to say because I mean, like, because I was about to say, like, you know, it, it feels disrespectful to be Captain Picard, you know, because but. Shatner is around, you know, as much as, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Stewart is. So, you know, that that's – but in other ways, like, I would say that the original series cast is a lot simpler and a, a lot easier to make more iconically. I don't know. And I also think that that a lot of the fan films are obviously done by, by fans who love the original yeah. series. And, you know, one of – I mean, I, I think, you know, it is a, it is a concern that – TNG would be a lot more expensive to create. There's, you know, the sets are more elaborate. There's more yeah. of them, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, uh, I think the other thing that you kind of have to think about in terms of fan films, and I think you see this in In Harm's Way as well, where it's sort of following up on things that happened in the original series, yeah. that for Star Trek fans, especially that love the original series, there is a hunger for more for more stories to be told yeah. in the original series. You know, we have to remember that TNG was on for seven years. DS9 was on for yeah, seven yeah, years. Yeah. Voyager was on for seven years. And frankly, TOS well, was, was, was killed. You a know, lot was, weirder shit happened in the original series universe, partially because it hadn't been as set up as well, partially, you know, but yeah, that does allow for more license. I mean, this is, this series is explicitly positioned as the fourth year of their five year mission. You I know? think it's supposed to be the fifth year actually, but yeah. Well, Anyway, it's considered to be because I know, think they I think they consider the animated series to be the okay, year, yeah, so. but you know it is considered to be part of that original you know arc of that in a way. As a, my question for you is: as a first episode of a fan film, uh, would this be the first one you choose? No, because I mean it, it's a very given that it's. It was hard, and you know one of the big things with dealing with a new thing like this is. All of the cast looks completely different from, you know, who they originally... It was it was to a degree hard for me to tell who anyone besides Spock was. You yeah, know? And yeah. And who's this Klingon, you know? And who are these other characters, you know? And I think Yeoman Rand was in this, but I'm not sure, you yeah. know? And, and so... And you also have to deal with two completely different casts in a way. You have Captain Pike's crew and, you know, the crew of, you know, Captain Kirk's crew. And so... 
I guess to me it felt like I it went, might have been better to have a simpler one just dealing with one cast just so that I can say – Oh, that's what Kirk looks like now, you know, and you and know, that's what McCoy looks like, and that's what Scotty give me, looks give like. Give me the and... hour to get used to it because there was a degree to which I couldn't quite tell who was who. Right? Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that was, you know, I, I again, I mean, we're not going to spend a lot of time, but yeah, you know, was criticizing it... the acting or anything like that, or the or the writing because it's not really the point of it. But yeah, I do think that's my one my one small criticism of it is that as a first episode of a concept. You know, it, it, it maybe wasn't the best one to choose just because, like you said, it would have been maybe a little more clear, a little more better to go into this with just a very straightforward, here's Kirk and crew in the fifth year of the Enterprise having yeah. an adventure, and this, this is the second episode. On, yeah. on the other hand, it's almost like childishly ambitious in a good way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like... They have them going to traveling back to 2006. You know, yeah, like, like that, you know, all of that was cute, you know? He wanted to write as big of an episode as he could, and they managed to get William Winden to do it. So, you know, hey. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, the other question I have for you is, and we haven't talked about the special effects a lot, and I, I, I want to say, I mean, I think they're they're pretty good. You yeah. know, I, they're, 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 I mean, especially for the era. I mean, I don't know how they did them. I'm assuming that they did them on personal computers, yeah. and they must have taken a long time to render uh, because we're talking about, I mean, this was probably started in 2002 or 2003, yeah, 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 yeah. I would imagine. So, And by the time they finished the first rendering, you know, then they realized that there was a, uh, you know, they forgot to, like, they put the starship number wrong and they had to completely redo it. But I think in terms of the special effects, I think they're they're really good. I think obviously they're – and again, I think this is where you can really see the fan part of this coming in because you know they've got ships flipping around and doing things that models just can't oh, do. Yeah. And, was... and they've got you know hundreds of, of doomsday machines and things like that. And it's, oh, yeah. That they, was... <laughs> they're kind of showing a lot of the graphics on the, the tricorders <laughs> and stuff. And that's stuff that they obviously couldn't really do in the original series. And they're sort of extrapolating out what that would look like. I like it. I think the aesthetic is really interesting, and I, I, you know, the the special effects I think worked for me. They're 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 the one part of the episode I think that that you know really. I mean, obviously, I think it's better than the original series. It was a very <laughs> weird looking, weird paced, weirdly directed experience, but like almost surrealistic, psychedelic kind of like you know and. But that still fits within some of the tone of the original series, sure. you know, because it was that weird, eerie, you know kind of dreamlike almost. And I guess here's the real question for you. Is this better than the bulk of the third season? <laughs> um, I kind of think yes and kind of think no. I mean, it's, it's, it's aims are very different. It's not looking for a mass audience. It is a fan audience. But if you approach it on its own terms, I think that this is a lot more fun I and mean, a lot more is, entertaining than most of the third season. This is better than, than the one with the telepathic lady who just danced around. The empath? Know? Yes. Yeah, where they just filmed it in a dark soundstage because they had no money? Yeah. It's it's better executed than the planet where everybody's in the one room all crammed together. It's better than the, you know, I mean, we could do a few of these. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with it. I think, you know. Uh, this one, like, well, well, that's the thing. I mean, even if it's even with the third season or worse than the third season, I can forgive its flaws a lot more easily than the third season. Yeah. Like, because the third season, there was a lot where they just didn't give a shit. You know, that was very obvious. They were 
everyone was tired at that point. Which I know? would which I would agree and disagree with, but but maybe we can do another patron special on that at some point because you know there's these great books called These Are the Voyages about the the three seasons of yeah. TOS and you know we've talked about them before, but you know the third watch reading the third season book, I can really see the constraints they were put under. Yeah, and, and the fact of the matter is the the producer who was running the show at this point didn't know anything about science fiction. You know, so there are things that yeah, like it's, so- it's less that they didn't give a shit and more that they were really constricted by budget. They were really constricted by the fact that the producer that Fred Freeberger that that Roddenberry picked to run the show and then Roddenberry just flitted off and did other things. Well, I mean that that's like that sounds like doesn't giving a shit to me. No, I th- I I disagree. Well, you know, I don't want to go down a rat hole. But, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Roddenberry didn't give a shit. <laughs> I think that that Fred Freeberger gave a shit. Yeah, um, that, that's fair. But, but he just didn't really. He wasn't suited to the original. Series. Maybe that's a better thing. You know, you, I, I mean, I obviously, you know, we are also aren't dealing with just one person on on the third season. I mean, there is a large number of people working on them and you know it's clear that you know yes there are some people who are working as hard as they can some people have just given up caring some people who are yeah you know no it's true but you know some people who are just tired you know the writing staff is obviously not the best you know at that point but it's it, it was a very tired and stressed production that much was obvious they weren't on their a game you know here even if it's not the best thing Everybody is working at 110% and, you know, having a great time with it. And it seems like... And that counts for a lot. In a, in a production like this, in a fan production, yeah. I would say so because, you know, that that is what a fan production is intended to be, an expression of love for the thing. And I think, yeah, that's a perfect summation of this. I think that In Harm's Way is a great love letter to Star Trek fans and it's a lot of fun. And I you know, if you have not seen it, I recommend watching it. Star Trek I think it's Star Trek New Check it out. Would you watch more of this? I told you that already. I don't listen to you. I would watch another thing of this. Okay. Well we have plans for, for the next few patron specials, but but maybe at some point we'll we'll Eric, revisit this. I would watch this just to watch it. Wow. That's wow. Okay. Well, you don't know who Nicholas Meyer is, but you do want to watch more TOS fan films. So <laughs> I don't know what that makes you, but well, I don't know the name of the fan film though. Star Trek New Voyages slash Phase Two slash. See, breaking, see, breaking. See, Saul. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let us know what you think. You know, g- give us some feedback on the patron specials. Uh, you can send us an email at trekaboutshow.com or you can respond to the email that you got this link in and, and let us know, you know, what you thought about this episode. And if you would like to see us talk about more mm-hmm. new voyages slash phase two, because or I would other I would fan do it. productions or other fan productions. If yeah. you have a favorite fan production that you love or were a part of or would like to be a part of. Unless it's Trek about, in which case you're not going to be a part of that because, you know, it's just Eric and May. I, I don't. Yeah. No, I don't think so. And uh, But they can be a part of it by becoming a patron of our podcast. They already are a patron. That's why they're getting this. Hello. We love you. <laughs> yeah. I think we'll dispense with the normal ending uh, bit about all that and, you know, go to the website and do that stuff. Because, you know, you're already you, – you're, you're, the, you're the Trek about super fans. You're the cool kids. You're the cool kids. You're don't in tell the anybody, club. but we like you better than all the riffraff. Yeah, don't don't tell anybody else because we want them to also become patrons. Then we'll love them as much as we love. But you. then they won't be riffraff anymore. Yes, they will be lovely People. supporters of us. Well, we're gonna do something a little different now. Oh my god, what is it? 
we're actually going to start announcing what the next patron special is going to be. Oh, cool. So for the April patron special, which you guys are going to be really interested in listening to. What is it? So the April patron special, which is going to be released on April 5th, is going to be about what Richard and I want from the next Star Trek series. Ooh. So there's, you know, we waited a little while to talk about this. We kind of had discussions about how we wanted to do it. We thought we would do it as a patron special because, you know, I think that that's a good use of, of this of this time. And I think everyone out there will be really interested to hear what we think. I think we'll probably have very different thoughts because Richard comes at Star Trek from a very different place than I do. And also, there's actually news starting to come out about Star Trek 17. You know, we have Brian Fuller, who we know is now going to be the showrunner. We know that uh, Nicholas Meyer is going to be a writer and producer on the show. There's some uh, scuttlebutt about perhaps uh, Tony Todd acting in the show, being in the cast. Who's that? Uh, He plays Worf's brother. Richard doesn't know who that is. He was in Redemption and Redemption 2. Yeah, yeah. He also played uh, uh, old Jake Sisko in The Visitor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk See, about... See, I saw that within the past month. Like, yeah, I, I don't have that much of a, of a, of a memory. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Because, yeah, you're like, oh, the Doomsday Machine in the Menagerie. Man. Fuck you. Calm down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. So uh, look forward to that um, in April, on April 5th. And if you folks would like to get involved in a way that you are not yet, you could always send us what your speculations are for the new s- series, and we could talk about them. Yeah, yeah. And we could answer your questions. Truckaboutshow at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or uh, Instagram. Truckaboutshow. You, you could be like, I think the new series should have Baylock as a main character. And then I would say, yes, that should be what it is. Well, thank you for joining us for this March patron special. We love you all. Thank you again for your support very much. And we will be back at you on April 5th for our thoughts on Star Trek 2017. Bye, everyone. Bye.